Hey, guys, anytime you see Cartoon Ramon next to me, it's a pretty good indicator that he's not going to be able to make it to the show today. He is in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl doing a bunch of work uh, that would not allow him at the last minute again to make it onto this program. We are expecting that he'll be back tomorrow. He is expecting that he'll be back tomorrow. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports in downtown Pittsburgh, and we're going to do a Ramon Foster show anyway because Cartoon Moan is equipped for anything that you've got. So are we ready for this? Let's let's do a little let's do a little intro. I don't have a bell or anything because he has the bell. You people are ridiculous. Are reading some of these comments here. Chris wants to know if I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling okay, my man. It's a Thursday afternoon. The sun is out. Uh, lots of people on the the streets and sidewalks of downtown. It, it's uh, it's it's not bad. I had to just scarf down some food. That's the only reason this started a little bit late. And of course, I'm equipped with a, a whole boatload of coffee. To get through this, not going to be a super long show today. Uh, felt like there was a ton of stuff that needed to be uh, you know, gone over as it relates to Arthur Smith, uh, to the possible changes that'll come with having a new offensive coordinator, to the impact on the quarterbacks, and of course, the one thing that I haven't really heard much of anybody talk about is the impact that he'll have on the running backs in the running game because we're all so busy getting caught up. It seems like this caught up in this narrative of, oh, he looks like he's an old da-da-da-da-da. He's 41 years old, and he's not from the San Francisco tree or, or wherever. He's just a guy who came up in kind of a, a more common NFL path. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But what ends up happening is people build up their expectations based on some symbolic thing. You know, it has to be this 27-year-old egghead guy for whatever. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's at the top of our site right now at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Chris Halleck covers football for us really good. Uh, has an outstanding piece. We very rarely leave something up a couple days in a row. We try to keep you know everything moving up there at the top of the at the top of the page, but Chris has something that's just the definitive, I think, outlook on what kind of offense Smith will bring, uh, what his history is, good and bad, and it, there's some really really good stuff there. Barbara gets us going today. Says I like the fact that he can pass on from one Alabama running back to our Alabama alum running back. You know, Barbara, I think. This is all about Najee Harris. I really do. And, and I don't even mean that necess necessarily in the sense of, oh, let's build an offense permanently around a, a guy who has one of the uh, – the position is one of the shortest lifespans in the league. It's around the idea of having a Najee-type back. That's, that's where it comes from. I, I think that this head coach and really this organization all the way up to Art Rooney have a passion for running the football. They believe in it. They believe that it's a solid way to go about doing your business on offense. Mitch wants to know if the Steelers are looking for a punter. Of course they are. I mean, they were looking for a punter through the season. But one of the things that gets – I'm not saying this is why you keep a punter on your roster, but one of the things that gets forgotten – is that Presley Harvin wasn't good at holding the football. He was great at it. And boy, do coaches hate giving up on variables that shouldn't be variables, if that makes sense. They want to know that their long snap and their hold are 100 percenters, that they never have to think about it. And Presley, as some of you guys might remember uh, my sharing a story with you about uh, Presley and, and Christian Kuntz after a road game, I believe it was in Baltimore, but I'm not positive, in which it was not a great snap. And Christian Kuntz is sitting right next to Presley as I'm talking, and he's looking up at me going like this <laughs> from his seat. 
And Presley bailed him out. And it's the reason that Chris Boswell was able to put it in. And it's the difference between a win and a loss. And there's only 17 of those games. Uh, Yenzer comes in with, are there Najee-type backs available in the draft? I guess that depends on how you define Najee-type backs. Najee is a guy who, and I think everybody agreed on this at the beginning, was never going to be a big numbers guy, was never ever going to be a breakaway guy, the guy who was going to get you 60 yarders and 70 yarders. But what Najee does is he he's the sledgehammer. He pounds on that defense. He wears them down. And his biggest fan in the organization, believe it or not, isn't Mike Tomlin. It's Jalen Warren. Because if teams had an opportunity to key on Jalen and his style and adjust to his style, Jalen wouldn't be anywhere near as effective. Sebastian says, will there be any coaching shakeup in the future, say a passing game coordinator uh, like Mike Kafka? I'll say that my understanding is that everything remains open over there, okay? That's as far as I can take that right now. Everything remains open over there. And that includes the structure of the staff. So if that passing game coordinator is also your quarterback's coach or quarterback's coach is your passing game coordinator, that's still not determined. That doesn't mean that Arthur Smith can walk into the headquarters on South Water Street and call his own shots. He can't. Those shots get called by Mike Tomlin. But at the same time, they're going to listen. They're going to want him to have an atmosphere, Smith, in which he feels he can succeed. Uh, Greg wants to know if if Arthur Smith uses a fullback much. He has. He says, I I wonder how his higher impacts little Hayward. Connor Hayward's not that little, but I I can see where next to Cam he would be considered little. I do think that you'll see at least the semblance of fullback usage in Latrobe. Okay. And again, Smith has used a fullback. Smith has used pretty much every weapon available to him in order to get the running game going. Uh, Michael says, Cartoon Moan says, give my dog a like. Okay. <laughs> What's that? Oh, he did? Oh, look at that. All right. Well, I, I can I can do that too. Kevin says, oh, I get it. All right. Oh, okay. Very good over there. She has this giant iMac screen that hides her over there. Look at this thing. And I can't even, like, you can see her from this angle. See her over there? I can't. I just look at the big back of the iMac screen. So you just got to see a little bit of behind the curtain to use a Mike Tomlinism. Kevin says, what are your thoughts on Patrick Peterson? DK, just some something other than our new coordinator. That's fine, Kevin. I'm, I'm open to all subjects here. Uh, I believe that Pat Pete has another year in him. I believe that Pat Pete showed that to everybody. And I really believe that Pat Pete is ready for another phase of his career. And if that means moving to safety, this is not Trust me, from the conversations I've had with him one-on-one, this is not someone who will resist that. Uh, We had a talk. This was with a couple weeks left to go in the season about – I was actually doing a a fair amount of the talking. It was was related to Rod Woodson's transition uh, from corner to safety and how that kind of paved the way for that route to be taken because there's guys – they get to a certain stage of their careers as corners, and they feel like they've, they're just advancing, but then they turn 30 and everybody gives up on them because they lose a millisecond of speed or quickness. And it, it, it kind of like with running backs, it doesn't feel fair. Whereas if you transition into safety and then that super quick twitch muscle isn't as important, you can find yourself another career. Pat Pete is there. Uh, I see no issue with keeping Pat Pete if that's the way the Steelers end up going, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Patrick Mason says, uh, hey, DK, Moan better come back with some good intel. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got some. 
But I can tell you this, when you're this busy and you're bouncing around like he is and you're having the conversations, he is, uh, he's had conversations with Steelers people, uh, he's told me, including stuff about Arthur Smith. So I expect that the Friday episode of the Ramon Foster show is going to be really, really good. The funny thing is he hasn't told me what those things are because he's just been so, like, la, 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 conversations go really, really quick. But I have a feeling that whenever we get to that point, I'm going to have the same reactions that you are when he's sharing some of this. Uh, Kevin in Albuquerque says, DK, can you talk to how the college all-star games serve as an interview process, not only for the players, but also for possible coaching hires? Sure, that's easy. It is an environment, this field, where basically things are wide open. Uh, There are, I don't want to say no rules, but there are a few rules. Walk around, talk to whoever you want to. A lot of people choose to sit up in the seats or the bleachers uh, as they have at the stadium in Mobile. So you'll just roam around and you'll have conversations. You will see coaches talking to coaches, scouts talking to parents of prospects who are on the field. You'll see your head coach walk right out onto the field. Did you see this scene yesterday? It got a lot of play where Mike Tomlin walks out behind uh, a wide receiver that he's looking at, and he wanted to see, like Latrobe style, a certain matchup. He wanted to pit a wide receiver against a cornerback, so he puts it into play. Everybody just kind of goes along with it because he's Mike Tomlin. And there's other head coaches in the NFL, and they don't do anything like that. He just walks out there. Just He is so into this, and it's not for show. You've heard Ramon describe Mike Tomlin as a football junkie. Well, multiply that by degrees of 10 when it comes to being in these types of atmospheres, the college atmospheres. He loves dealing with the kids, the ones who are going to, you know, eventually become NFL players, which is really an unusual trait. Most often, and this goes across sports, whether it's a coach or a manager, whether it's football, hockey, or baseball, as you see these guys kind of work their way up the ladder, they see that sort of thing as being beneath them. This this guy just loves it. You can criticize Mike Tomlin for a million different things and clock management and this and that, but you have to love the way he is in these settings. James says, DK, do you believe that Mason Rudolph can help pass on the Steelers culture that he learned from Ben Roethlisberger? How do I how do I go at this one? Let's let's start with this. Mason is a connection, one, a bridge to those teams from the 2010s. So it is not an accident when you hear or even get the sense that Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, for example, are in Mason's corner. Would they see him performing the way that they did over those final four games? When they see his demeanor, when they see his production, they're not going to hesitate in going to bat for him as they did. They're also very good friends. Okay, all of those guys. Mason has made an impression on the Steelers' longer-standing veterans uh, that's real, which is why you saw with your own eyes the relationship that Mason and Ramon Foster cultivated over the years. And I'm going to say this for emphasis. Keep this in the context that Mason's only had a dozen NFL starts. Okay? So the impression that he's made on these people is where it counts the most for them, which is behind the scenes, which is in the work that he's done, which is in the video studying, which is in the practices, which is in the weight room. This is the stuff that really shows them how serious you are and Many, many times over if you're not even playing. So does that answer that, James? I mean, because that's kind of what you're talking about when you talk about football culture, isn't it? Matt Hyde says, hey, DK, does the new coordinator benefit Kenny or will it be a disaster for him? I remember Baker Mayfield going through coordinator after coordinator and it hurt him for a while. I, I believe, Matt, that the issues that Kenny has aren't related to this coordinator or that coordinator or this quarterback's coach or that quarterback's coach as much as they are the stuff that you heard 
Art Rooney talking about. Art Rooney challenged Kenny to do a better job of reading defenses, to do uh, or to be more decisive when he's throwing the football. These aren't coordinator issues. These are a lot more of what some of our other commenters have pointed out, uh, not so much today, but yesterday in this thread over here, that they want to see him uh, basically become a guy who shows more faith in the football that he's throwing to receivers who are NFL open as opposed to college open. If you don't know what that means, we just kind of glossed over it yesterday. In college, when you get open, you got acres of grass around you because the defenses don't know what they're doing. That's the reason that people think college football is exciting, or some will say it's more exciting than the NFL. It's not. It's just that the defenses aren't anywhere near as sophisticated and can't stay and don't stay anywhere near as tight to the wide receivers. So when Kenny is throwing to Jordan Addison at Pitt, and Addison is, you know, like wide open, you're going to look like the greatest quarterback in the world. That also becomes your comfort level. The difference between that and the degree to which his receivers, no matter how good they are at getting open in the NFL, is massive. And bear in mind that Kenny was operating with one of the top three wide receivers in terms of getting open in the entire NFL in Deontay Johnson. Chris is looking forward to Ramon turning total insider on us tomorrow. Hey, guys, make sure that you're subscribing to this channel. If you're here, I see 723 are watching. Uh, make sure that you're going to our channel, to DK Pittsburgh Sports, which you can see. You just tip up, tap on that little circle that's showing for you there. 29,190 mm. says the boss is where we are. So we're 810 away from hitting that 30,000 mark we'd hoped to hit it in January, it's now February 1, so everybody's out of excuses. And when we get to 100 subscriber, 100K subscribers, which is the ultimate goal, Brent says that Dolly will get an Apple Vision Pro. What's Apple Vision? Do you know? I'll take it. Whatever. She'll take it, she says. Whatever it happens to be, it sounds great. I don't know. What's an Apple Vision Pro? But yes, that's what we're going to get her is an Apple Vision Pro. If that's a smaller screen than the one I have to look into here and I can see over it and see her, that'd be okay. <laughs> I would settle for that. Oh, boy. Dwight Jefferson says, uh, DK, do you remember the old college All-Stars versus the NFL championship? No, I've never even heard of that, Dwight. I'm sorry. Uh, Michael Walker says, hey, DK, what should we expect in this offseason with Arthur Smith? When will he get a playbook in and start showing up in town, et cetera? Well, my understanding, Michael, since you brought that up, is that he had a flight set for Monday out of Pittsburgh, a nonstop down to Tampa, where he was supposed to meet with the Buccaneers. Mike Tomlin, and this is according to Albert Breer of NFL Network, who's a reliable reporter, Tomlin had uh, just, he had his moment. He said, that's our guy. I'm not letting him get on that plane. So it turns out that Smith never even left the South Side. He never left the facility. The Steelers were basically going to hold him hostage until he signed his contract. So for those of you who've been complaining about the short process or why did they only look at three guys, they found their guy. That's it. I can tell you on an infinitely smaller scale as someone who operates, uh, who, who you know jointly with the boss over here owns and operates this little business when we have a reporter in here we're ready to hire them we don't, we don't let them go we don't let them walk out the door we say hey all right listen we all know where this is going what's it going to take let's get this done that's what tomlin did why should he go through any posing or anything else or as art rooney said the other day why would you just say you know we're going to do we're just going to go through the motions here and waste everybody's time that was actually the term that rooney used Brian says, DK, why did the Steelers put more dollars into the defense than the offense? Man, I'm glad every time this comes up, it doesn't matter. This whole thing about the highest paid defense and people complaining about the highest paid defense, if you ever want to know the difference between 
radio talk show stuff and real stuff. Use this as your example. The Steelers have one dollar figure under which they have to operate. It's the same one that all NFL teams have to abide by, and that's the salary cap figure. The Steelers also don't need to have a quarterback being paid 30 or $40 million. So why would they take that money and just put it into the offense when you, if you look around and look across that offense, they're already putting pretty much what they can into it. Who else are you taking out? Who are you paying that you wouldn't be paying on that offense? If you look at this team's needs, Brian, right now, right now, where would you want to spend that money? Okay, I'll ask all of you that. Put it up on the board here, okay? If you had to pick one position, where would you be putting that money? A positional room, where would you be investing it? I'm looking over there right now. That's why this show is live. Whenever you guys have an answer here, a positional room, where would you be? No, no, no. Don't say defense. I, want, I said a positional room. Don't do that, Casey. That's a, that's a cop-out. Where would you put it? Oh, oh, look. Oh, oh, James. Oh, James is in. He says inside linebacker. Yeah, there aren't any. There are none on the roster. I mean, and Landon Roberts is the last, is, is, is the one guy that you got. So what do you do? Do you say to yourself, well, we really shouldn't spend on inside linebacker. Because on the talk shows, they'll criticize us for having the highest paid defense. Who cares? That happens to be where you have your veterans. That happens to be where you're paying TJ and Cam and Minka. And you have now, uh, you have now, you have some younger blood over there in Joey Porter Jr. But for the most part, what you need to spend your money on, your free agency money, even if you end up drafting inside linebackers, if Omar Khan goes into this draft, we've seen them do this before, by the way. If that happens, he could take first round, second round, third round inside linebackers. But you know what? He's still going to need them out of free agency because he's still going to need them to be out there in the middle of the field to make sure that what happened in Buffalo doesn't happen again. I will say this once more. I can say this stuff. They can't because it sounds like excuse-making from them. If you have in Orchard Park, New York, a healthy Elandon Roberts, Quan Alexander, and Cole Holcomb, tell me the Steelers aren't in that game from front to finish. Right? Well, they've been trying to replace Ryan Shazier now for years. It hasn't happened. They've tried it in the draft. Not all that hard, but they've tried it. They've tried it through free agency. Last year, this past season, was the first one in which you said to yourself, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that, those guys are getting the job done. Those are, some, those are some dogs, you know? I mean, that was, those guys were the ultimate example of dogs out there. Uh, I mean, that they, the way they competed, the way they hung together, the way they made things happen for each other, with all of the chaos, and we forgot how good Quan was. Remember that? Quan was getting in the backfield. He was bringing people down. You didn't see that from the Steelers at all. At all over the second half of the season. Did you see a single linebacker get to the quarterback? No, not one. They went into survival mode. That's why one of the things that got a, probably not very much play out of the Art Rooney session was Rooney praising both Tomlin and Terrell Austin, and by the way, Omar Khan and Andy Weidel for making sure that they had people, just humans, who would go out there and fill those positions. Miles Jack got a lot of attention. Michael Walker didn't as much. Mark Robinson got onto the field. You know, James says that Devin Bush held this team back. That's true. That's true. It's not Devin's fault that they traded up to draft him. That's their fault. But then when you do that, you have to commit to playing him somewhat. Then he has the knee issue, which affected him to whatever degree. Dwight says the inside linebackers were balling out early this past season. It was awesomely refreshing to see. Yes. Yes. DeMond says Quan was our best inside linebacker. He could sniff out a screen like it was nothing. DeMond, I'll ask you this. Who did that post Quan? Elandon played hard, but he wasn't that player. 
And you know who was the best in coverage out of those three? Come on, we're having a conversation here. Who was the best in coverage out of those three? I'm waiting for you to type it. Is that that really matters a lot? Who was the best in coverage out of those three? I'm waiting on you here. Demond says nobody. No, that's not accurate. No, and it was not Quan. It was not Quan. I'm seeing another one here. It was not Quan. He was not the best in coverage. It was Cole. And they'll all tell you that, all three of them. It absolutely was Cole Holcomb. He wasn't great at it, but he was the best that they had. And Cole actually most unfortunately got hurt on a coverage play. So you lose him and you lose an entire necessary phase of your defense. This is 2024. Your ILBs have to be able to drop. Am I right? And when you don't have that person, what are you doing? You're moving people around. You're having your safeties come in. And and then another guy that nobody talked about, Keanu Neal getting hurt. He was supposed to be the hybrid guy, the connection between the safeties and the inside linebackers. Keanu gets hurt, uh, busted the rib after he had a great game, by the way. Never was seen again. And never could have been replaced. They, 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 it, was a, it was a patchwork group. So uh, this is when people say, oh, you're making excuses for them or, or the defense stinks or whatever, you have to be real about these things. Uh, I'll say this again. I don't care how insulting this sounds. Don't be talk show on this. Okay, don't just take the last thing that you heard somebody say somewhere and repeat it. Yeah, Neil was hurt his whole career. <laughs> That's something that you would get here. Somebody with that awareness. Uh, Jeff says that one of the better all-around linebackers they've had in a long time is a damn shame about Holcomb. Yeah, and you know, Holcomb, by the way, came up uh, a couple of times over the past couple of weeks in these various sessions. And, I mean, his injury, you saw it. I don't even want to you know, kindle anybody's memory over how bad it was. But you would hope his sake that he can make a comeback you that was my thought when watching him leave the field that day on that cart was man you just hope that that's not the way to go out you know what I'm saying uh that that one really hurt that one really hurt on a lot of levels but that's also a really good dude what a competitive dude yeah Josh gives uh, Josh gives some Holcomb props here too I'm all right with that I'm all right with that uh, Joshua Dobbs here says, uh, injuries damned Buffalo against the Chiefs the same way it happened to us. Oh, where's my small violin for Moan? <laughs> we don't care. We do not care. Uh, Jonathan says, DK, your interview of the inside linebackers glowing in the win over the Ravens, that was the home win, was a highlight of the season. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I actually had all three of them seated at their stalls. This was over at Akershire Stadium because I spent a lot of time with them, okay? And I went over to them, and I'm talking to Roberts, and right next to them are Holcomb. And, or, well, in this order, it was Alexander and then Holcomb. And I'm asking one of them just about all three of them. So then Landon would point over to Holcomb and say, well, he's our main guy. He's our three-down guy. And Quan, he's our, he's our engine. He's the one that makes us go. And they were having some fun with each other. It was a lot of fun, that, that video. I, I don't know if I still have it. I'll, I'll have to take a look. It was something that I played on here that a lot of people got a kick out of. It might seem just kind of sad now because, you know, two of those three guys didn't finish the season. Uh, TJ says that he is still feeding on Buffalo fans' tears. Mm, so good. That's another monism right there. Uh, Patas says, what happened to DeMarvin Leal? He's not good. I mean, end analysis. He's he's not good. There is a school of thought regarding DeMarvin that the mistake that was made with him was more in the drafting than it was in anything that's happened since then. That he's not really someone who was going to be a great fit for them and their defensive line the way they play. I don't know how that's exactly letting anybody off the hook, but okay. When we come back, I'm going to take more of your uh, your cues and so forth, but I'm going to seize on this little commercial opportunity to have some more coffee.
At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. The coverage that connects. Uh, Three Kings appreciates my assessment of Leal. He's not good. I mean, what would you want me to say? You know, you've seen him do something. You know, they, they, they wouldn't even give him a hat at the end of the year. They didn't even have him suiting up. They didn't value him enough to do that. Isaiah Lottermilk's been better than Leal. Let that sink in a moment. Well, uh, Isaiah's a different player. Isaiah was always acknowledged to be someone who was going to be a run stopper first and foremost. That's why he lasted as long as he did in the draft, but they loved him as a run stopper. Thing is, that's got that's got limited play in the NFL. Jeff mentioning that interview uh, with the three uh, inside linebackers here. Uh, Chris says that's that's not coffee, it's sugar. There's zero sugar in here, my man. I'm type 2. I can't be doing sugar. This is all artificial. Uh, Brian says, does Montrevious Adams get re-signed? See, the thing is, the beautiful thing about Mon is that he was brought in, if you'll recall, as a plug-the-leaky-boat guy after the debacle in Minneapolis that had everyone from Joe Green on upset. That was when Dalvin Cook ran for 200 billion yards. So Mon comes in. He's the guy that's going to save the, you know, or at least right the ship and keep everybody from drowning, and he ends up showing well. He got back there on the pass rush. He was solid, as he's always been, on the run stop, and the only people that I ever heard take Mon seriously were his teammates and the people on the inside. You know, they really, really believed in him, and they and they should. Good football player. I, I'd like to see him come back. Jedi says... Tomlin said Leal sucked, albeit in different words. Well, he kind of did. I mean, he kind of did. This was someone for whom they had expectations. You know, Dwight wants to know what my favorite flavor of popcorn is. Uh, we have a we have a place in the Strip called, is it called Pittsburgh Popcorn Company? Out on 21st Street where they do this stuff. Uh, I've stopped having that. I have to live a... Oh, she says kettle corn, and it's my, it's mine too. Yeah, kettle corn stuff is awesome. It's also just really dangerous. The Pef says, is it safe to assume safe to assume that Mark Robinson is more of a special teams and depth player at this point? Man, if I had the video, I could cue it up for you. Uh, I, I don't though. If you guys remind me at some point, I'll give it to you. I asked Landon Roberts a question about Mark Robinson after Robinson had a really nice game down in Baltimore. Do you guys remember this in the super cold game? And Roberts is a guy who will always give you a good professional answer. He understands that that sort of thing is part of his job. And he gave me something on Mark Robinson where he talked for so long and so passionately that at one point I had to kind of look at him like, (laughs) You know, dude, I get it. You think he's great. Roberts' main takeaway from that is Roberts said, he reminds me so much of when I was younger in this league and everybody called me raw and everyone said that I couldn't be harnessed and that I needed to have more of this and that. And I just kept playing my game, but I kept learning more about it. And I learned more about how to channel who I was as a young linebacker and made sure that I fulfilled my responsibilities. And Mark Mark Robinson has abilities that a lot of linebackers in the NFL don't. He has a freakish close when it comes to tackling. He has to become more aware situationally. He has to be someone who's capable someday of wearing the green dot. He has to be. This is way above all the rest. He has to be someone who can drop into coverage. He has to be able to do that. It's not football has changed. The position has changed. You guys heard uh, Vince Williams talk about that eloquently on this program with Ramon. He, his own position changed more than any other in the NFL over the time that he was in the league to the point that he 
got phased out. Good, good stuff. I've got to find that. That one I definitely do have. I have it in my phone somewhere. Sergio says, how accessible is Omar Khan for interviews? Omar is accessible in the same way that uh, Kevin Colbert was accessible, meaning you can talk to him anytime you want. Super approachable. He'll come and talk to you. But for a formal interview, it's got to be the whole shebang. The Steelers as a whole control that. They want Mike Tomlin to be the voice of the Steelers. That's why Kevin had a policy uh, during the season that he doesn't talk. It wasn't because he wasn't being accountable. He just didn't want to mix messages with the head coach. He didn't want to run any risk of saying something over those games while everyone's still playing that would sound like, hey, hang on a second. That doesn't sound like what Tomlin said. And then it becomes a distraction. I don't agree with it. I'm a reporter. I'd rather be able to interview these people all the time. I'm just trying to explain what their thinking is. Chris says, DK, is it unrealistic for the Steelers to draft a center in the first round? That's going to be one of the first things we're going to ask Ramon tomorrow. I have seen, heard, and read that this is not a draft for a first-round center. Ramon disagrees with that robustly. He has seen some guys that he really likes. He has seen some drills that he really likes, and he has heard some things that he really likes. That'll be something uh, to talk up. Uh, Weston says that I have a voice for broadcasting. This is completely false. I have a voice of a writer. <laughs> that's all, that's what I am. With oh yeah, boss takes credit for it. It's the good microphone that she was able to find. Uh, Three Kings says, "What's going on with Aunt Mac?" Of course, being Anthony McFarland, uh, he got phased out. There's no other way to put that. And unless you were to see Arthur Smith say, "Man, I could really use a scat back," or "I could use this," and, and I, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think what's going to happen is that Danny Smith is going to want Godwin Igwebuke back. Uh, did a really nice job on kick returns. That's what that job is mostly. You can be a cameo member of the offense, but you've got to be able to return kicks, and Godwin came so close a couple of times. I don't know if you guys can appreciate that or saw it on TV or whatever, but he came so close, and, and he knew it. He, he did some good things, not just the one brilliant play that you'll recall uh, where he put himself out of bounds. Sergio says, hey, DK, who do you think Arthur Smith will get as a quarterback's coach? I don't know that. I, I do think that it wouldn't be out of the question for Mike Sullivan to come back. But at the moment, that is not the case, and that is not at all aligned. I do believe that that one position, though, is something that they all need to talk about and that Smith very much has to be on the same page. It can't be one of those. You've seen interim jobs, right? When the new person comes in, they don't like having the interim person still under them because they think that maybe there's too much of a connection to the past or whatever. So there would have to be some discussions there regardless. Uh, Shane mentions the Shrine Bowl being on tonight. That's a nice little preview of some NFL prospects. Uh Greg says he really hopes that Coach Sully comes back. I've heard mixed things about him. It depends on who I'm talking to. But I do know that the only people that really matter in this one are, are the quarterbacks themselves. And I do think that to what somebody brought up earlier it was related to Kenny Pickett, but it would apply to Mason Rudolph as well. You would have to be seeking some type of continuity I don't want these quarterbacks, for example, going into the coming season with entirely new lingo, entirely new everything. There's a way to do this and, and make it easier for them and just let them call plays instinctively instead of going through their heads like, which one's this, which one's this? Oh, yeah, that one. And meanwhile, the next thing you know, they're, they're buried a foot underground. Uh, Dwight Jefferson says, Sullivan was part of burying Mason. Which do you want? I have no idea what that means. Like, none. I can't even respond to it. Uh, DeMond says, I'm confident Eddie Faulkner will be back as running backs coach. Uh, that's a fair thing to say. That's a fair thing to say, but I don't know that. There's a lot of respect for, for Coach Faulkner in that room, but again, especially from the running backs, and if that's your priority. 
See, here again, though, Faulkner elevated to a position on an interim basis. You see what I'm saying? If you're Arthur Smith and you're being entrusted with not just scripting the offense, but running it, being in charge of it, you've got to know that you're that you're that your guys are with you, that they're supporting you, that they're not out to you know, stick a knife in your back or something. Mr. CJ wants to know why Moan's so quiet today. Why is he so quiet? Nobody's asking him any questions, that's why. If you asked him a question, he might see? There you go. If you asked him for example, should he give your dog a like? He would say, "Give my dog a like." <laughs> What a ridiculous program. How much longer are we going to continue this? <laughs> What's that? Not much, the boss says here. Uh, Pie Guy says, hey, DK, do you feel a later development QB might be a good idea? If you mean one of those, like, duck types, you know, sixth, seventh round, or even undrafted, I guess. I, one thing that I, I can't find myself getting super excited about is the idea of a Ryan Tannehill coming in. Unless you lose Mason, unless you lose Mason, in which case you got to start flailing. And, and that's why I don't think that they will. One thing about the Steelers and signing Mason, somebody asked me about this informally last night. When was the last time, if you can recall even one instance, where the Steelers publicly stated that they intended to bring somebody back and didn't. It's really rare. The only one I can think of, and if you guys can can come up with a different name, I'm all ears. The only one I could think of was Lev, Le'Veon Bell. And that's only because he had the world's worst agent. So they say, well, we have every intention of giving of bringing Lev back, they make him an offer that turned out to be way better than anything he would get for the rest of his career. And he said no to it. The point still stands. When they say they're going to bring somebody back, they at the very, very, very least will make the best possible gesture toward getting that done. So does anybody have anyone that you can think of that the Steelers would have said, hey, we're bringing so-and-so back. We plan on keeping that person, and then they didn't. Yeah, and, and like Lev doesn't even count. You know, anybody. Can you think of even one? Brian wants to know what it would cost to get Mason Rudolph back. I, I, I can't know that, but I do know that he was offered $3 million to be Mitch Trubisky's backup. He was offered $1 million to be the number three this past season. And Melissa says, Rod Woodson, I don't know about that. Was that the case with Rod? Cam Sutton. There you go. Robert, Robert hits it. That's it. It was Cam Sutton. And Cam, if you saw my original reporting on this, this was just a couple months ago that I broke this. Cam had a family reason to move to Detroit. The Steelers very much made the offer they wanted to make, and it broke Cam's heart. He had a family reason that he wanted to move to Detroit. Uh, has, he has kids up there, and he wanted to be closer to them. And, that, I mean, you can't argue with Cam for that. And he told the Steelers, I'm so sorry, and everything else. Actually flew back here and saw them in person and said, I'm sorry, I can't make this happen. I, you know, my kids come first. So he took what the Lions offered him. The Steelers were there on Cam. So, yeah, even then, here, Thomas Wright says he wants to give Mason $7 million plus three in bonus. I think you're going to need term. I think you're going to need a couple of years. I think you're going to need some guaranteed money, but I think you're in the right salary range. I think that's, that's fair. Uh, ben Cohen says... Would you put slot corner as a higher priority than outside corner? Seems like the versatility of a great slot corner is so helpful in our defense. You know what I would do, Ben? I would I'd find a way to clone Mike Hilton from about three or four years ago who never should have been let go. By the way, speaking of guys that, that were let go, they never did say that they were going to bring Hilton back, so this is a different category. But, man, 
that player is missed. That type of player is missed. You can say what you want even about Arthur Mallette and the coverage and, and whatever else. And, you know, Mallette was the one that gave up that last completion that, that buried the um, that buried the Bills, but the, the guy could get to the backfield. That was a different thing. That was, wasn't just let's just hope that TJ or Alex gets there. There's different ways to make that happen. Jonathan says that Hilton was a COVID cap casualty. Uh, that sounds good, Jonathan. I don't buy it. Go back then. Hilton was a, Hilton was affordable, and he should have been a priority. Uh, BJ says give Mason twenty four over three with incentives. Well, the the mix in there though, BJ, isn't what you're saying because you can cut somebody and save all of that. It's about the guaranteed money. It's about how much is in signing bonus. The funny thing is, you still wouldn't be paying anywhere near the league norm for a quarterback especially if it turns out that he stays as your starter. The reason I say that he stays as your starter isn't semantics. It's because the last time we saw this football team, the last four times we saw this football team, he was your starter on merit. On merit. Lyle says, if Mason leaves, we are stuck with Mitch. That sounds like it needs ominous music. And that's not true. Mitch is getting cut regardless. Michael says, DK, can they can't offer him less than they gave Mitch, can they? Sure they can. Sure they can. Mitch was a five-year starter, you know, with a higher pedigree and all that other stuff. I'm not saying he's better, obviously. We're going to take just a couple more today. AL says, or is this Al here? Al says something about some media are saying, take it to some media. I'm just me. I don't want to hear what other media have to say. I'm just me. Jeff says, yeah, 7 to 10, meaning million for two to three years. Whoa, he just took Mason up to 10 million. But they got to be honest with Mason, no BS. I have a feeling that Mason would value the latter as much as anything. As much as anything. Just be honest with him. Don't do the thing that you did a couple of years ago where you pretend that there's a competition in camp and there's no such thing, meaning Mason versus Mitch. Don't pretend. Ben wants to know if Andy Weidel's been interviewed by any other teams. To my knowledge, no. And that sort of thing would not be uh, a well-kept secret. Uh, the PEF wants to know from trading for Justin Fields. The Steelers have their quarterback right here. Right here. Don't take my word for it. Mike Tomlin said that. Their quarterback for 2024 is already under this roof. Not me, him. Jedi's going to get the second to last word for the day. I want Mason as the starter, but I still just don't trust Tomlin to start the year with Kenny on the bench. Neither do I. Neither do I. When he gets stubborn, uh, he gets stubborn. And Kawa comes in with our... Now, here's here it is. Last one for the day down here is uh, Pie Guy, who says, do you think they'll be legit with Mason this year versus 22 I have not heard yet that they will be. I wonder to what extent that's because he isn't signed. And if they were to pump him up too much beforehand, then in the negotiation, everything changes. Think about that for a second. Like if either Tomlin or Rooney says in these settings, these interview settings, we believe Mason Rudolph is going to be our number one quarterback. What are they doing to themselves as they go to the bargaining table? So, you know, Mason's sitting there, his agent's sitting there, and they say, all right, well, pay me like a number one quarterback and we're all good. You know? It, I, I have a feeling that you might see the lingo that they use about Mason change at least a little bit, not to the point where they sound hypocritical, but at least a little bit once they're done here. DeAndre agrees with me completely on this. All right, guys, we're going to do the outro here and then, and then come right back and take care of a little bit of, uh, a little bit of business. Tough to look at uh, three screens at the same time. And the one that I miss, unfortunately, along the way is the one where our our gifts show up. 
Now, JM has gifted five people uh, subscriptions or memberships, I should say, to this site. There's a lot of different terminology that YouTube uses. These are memberships. Make sure that you have accept gifts turned on if you're not already a member, and JM's thing will just fly in to your system. Uh, Patrick Mason comes in with 20 of those. That's appreciated from both of you. That's really, really cool. And then the last word for the day goes to Vicky, who comes in with a wonderful gesture of $10.73 in honor of both Mitch Trubisky and Ramon. Is that what you were doing there, Vicky? <laughs> you're, you're throwing a Mitch, Mitch kudos. Hey, DK, any thoughts of leaving 34-plus-year-old quarterbacks off of your go-get lists? Uh, and he mentions Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Joe Flacco, Tyrod Taylor. Please cut the turnover machine, Mitch. Oh, so that it wasn't an ode to Mitch. I I'm not into it. I, I don't. If you have, let's say the two quarterbacks, regardless of the order, as you head into Latrobe, are Mason and Kenny. What what do you benefit by having a Ryan Tannehill, for example, in there as your number three? What are you what are you doing there? His chances of getting in aren't aren't all that great, and he'd actually be more of a hovering threat, one would think, that's not needed. Or or I think wanted. Uh, I like the idea of going into it with a couple of, you know, younger guys. And let's remember that, you know, Kenny's twenty five, Mason's twenty eight. You know, we think of Mason as the old guy because he's been around forever. He's 28 years old, and he's yet to start the equivalent of one full NFL season. I'd rather see this team go into it with a couple younger guys, show that you've got some faith in them. Don't bring in somebody to just kind of do what Ramon is doing right now on the screen there, you know, where they're just kind of they're, they're kind of hovering and waiting to take look look at that's what Ramon is doing right there. He's hovering. He's a threat to my job right now. You see that? I don't want that. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see, you know, play some football. You know, Barber says that Kenny's old. Kenny's not old. Kenny's a kid. He's 25. He's a little old for, you know, second-year guy. But, you know, go with, your, go with your younger guys. You have a younger overall offense. Let them have that feel, that vibe. You know, that, that it's, it's their offense. It's their team. I like that. I like that. All right, guys. Again, Ramon will be back here tomorrow, uh, and he will have some stuff for us from his week in Mobile, Alabama, scouting the Senior Bowl. We'll see you then.